Welcome to the Pest Posse Stampede Podcast, Episode 3. Your hosts are Cully Christensen, the visionary and creator here at the Pest Posse, and Froster Bruska, the head wrangler. The Pest Posse is for technicians by technicians and is here to help you grow and succeed in the pest management industry. This podcast is the YouTube live episode of the Pest Posse that was streamed on April 6, 2020. This live episode included special guests, Greg Bauman, Vice President over Technical Services and Regulatory Affairs at NYSIS Corporation, Gregory Pettis, the owner at Dominion Pest Control, and Sean Pettis, the General Service Manager at Dominion Pest Control. These guests discussed with Cully and Foster about providing a disinfecting service as a pest control company and what products should be used for this type of service. The Pest Posse is in the house. That's right. Welcome one and all to this great episode. How's it going, Cully? Haven't seen you in a while since last week. How things right? been? Uh, yeah, they're all right. I made a whopping $200 last week. Woo-hoo! That's awesome. I love it. That's great. So we got a great show today. So if nobody realizes who we are, I'm Foster, head wrangler here at the Pest Posse. And who are you over there, Cully? Well, I'm Cully, visionary and creator here at the Pest Posse. That's right. You are. And You're the one who made this. We have a great thing. show today. Yeah, we we've got a real great show for everyone today. We're going to be um, we're going to be talking. We got a great uh, group of people here. We're going to be talking about disinfectant services and providing those. And we've got Greg. For the COVID nineteen crisis. Exactly. Yeah. So we've got Greg Bauman from Nisus. He's the vice president and technical services. Uh, and regulatory affairs at NYSIS, so he'll be introducing himself. We also have the Pettises. We have Greg and Sean Pettis on. Um, which they, they're Pest actually, Control in Pennsylvania, California. Pennsylvania. Or not California. It, not California. Pennsylvania. Come on. So th- they actually are providing a disinfecting service, so we're going to be you know, talking to them about that. So we know a lot of people were, were really interested in this with the post that we did on Facebook and everything. Um, so... You know, we're going we're gonna to dive into this. We're going to bring up Greg Bauman from NYSIS and the Pettis's Greg and Sean um, so, from them. Just so, a second, Foss. Oh, well, yeah. let's bring them on, and then I, I've got I'll, – I'll talk about that once we get these guys. Well, what do you got on your mind, Cully? What's going on? I want to just go over this real fast. My mother okay. lives in Phoenix. Okay. And she had this cute little girl all dressed up, dolled up, Came to the door and she's got a rag and a squirt bottle in her hand. And my mom's like, Can I help you? And she says, <laughs> Yes, can I come in? Um, we're we're sanitizing homes and we wanted to do we'll do a room for free for you. Yep. And sanitize the room for free. Now this is like she said she was like five-ish, roughly, give or okay. take. And but what she saw in the background was she saw a guy which she assumed was probably her dad or something. Well, turns out she, of course, said no, because this was kind of weird, of course. And um, turns out these guys have been going around, and they've been scamming people. They get into the house, and then they rob the house. Oh, no, that's not good. No, 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 so no. So the reason I'm bringing this up, and my brother-in-law is a cop in Phoenix, and he said they've been having this issue around the town. This is a, this is a scam people would come yep. So I got to imagine if it's happening in Phoenix, Phoenix, it's happening in other cities around the United States, probably yeah. even around the world. Um, 
But this is a great thing to educate your customers on and why it's important to hire a professional because you That's guys very are licensed, good point. Yep. you're bonded, you're insured, yep. you know, any of those other things that show you're credible um, and you can protect your customers from people like this. Yeah, exactly. No, I you think know, that's a great story, and that's definitely something everyody needs to be keep in mind. Yeah, it's exactly. Protecting uh, the people in, you know, obviously, you know, protecting their homes, protecting their health, protecting yep. the food supply. Well, here's another thing where you're protecting their 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 property. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's a great story, and something to definitely keep in mind. Make sure you have a reputable company there. So. Um, so excellent. Okay. So we're going to bring Greg and, um, the Pettis is on. So we got the Pettis is in the house. Welcome you guys. Good morning. Hey, and we got Greg from Nysus. Hey, hey it's working. It all worked. Look at this. Woo, we didn't crash and burn. I love it when <laughs> technology works. Excellent guys. <laughs> oh, Especially cool. for best guys. Exactly. Yeah. Cause we're just bud guys. We don't know what we're doing. We do appreciate your guys' time cause we know everybody's, you know, busy being an essential service. So. Um, before we get going here, why don't we have you guys do a quick introduction? Um, why don't we start with uh, Greg from Nysis? Why don't you give us a quick introduction? Let us know who you are and sure, all that sure. good stuff. Well, hello. My name is Greg Bauman. I'm the vice president of uh, technical services and regulatory affairs for Nysis Corporation based out of Knoxville. And I'm an industry veteran. And it's uh, good to be here. I wish it was under happier circumstances, but education is wonderful in this case. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you, Greg, for, for joining us. So, the Pettises, Sean and Greg, welcome. How are you guys doing today? Why don't you uh, introduce your guys' selves and tell us who you are and all that good stuff. Thank you, Foster. Good morning, Greg Pettis, Dominion Pest Control. I uh, founded Dominion back in 2006. I've been in the industry for about 25 years. And I'm really proud to have my son beside me here helping us run the company. He is our general service manager. Nice. Nice. Like I said, I, I'm right. Sean. I'm the general service manager here. Uh, uh, as you know, I'm on today to talk a little bit about the PHE. Um, so I also am an associate uh, certified entomologist and public health entomologist, uh, certificate holder. And uh, Greg and I have been working around the clock to offer these disinfectant services. So uh, we're happy to be able to provide that to our community. Excellent, that's excellent. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, um, Sean, you kind of, this is something kind of interesting that we hadn't heard about. Um, why don't you kind of take a, a, a quick little minute here to tell us what is a PHE? What is that? Public Health Entomologist. And I believe that that's a certification for the entomologist. I can't even say it. Entomological <laughs> Society of America. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I just completely botched well, that one. Also, yeah. let's, let's make yeah. note that, Sean, you also have your ACE, right? Yeah, yeah that's correct. And that's yeah. obviously that. from the same society. Society, yep. It is, yeah. So the, the ESA, we'll just abbreviate, um, the ESA offers some certifications. In this case, the PHE is a certificate. Um, and what that pretty much means is that you don't have to have ongoing uh, training. Uh, mm. With the ACE, you do have to show every year, every certain amount of years that you have to have some sort of uh, training. You have to hold a license and okay. continue that licensure. Uh, okay. With the, with the uh, PHE, uh, you don't have to. But uh, I do remember they were saying, actually, they were thinking about turning it into a certification at some point. Okay. But for now, just turning it, uh, just having it as a certificate. 
Um, okay. so, the, so the PHE, what it is, is it stands for Public Health Entomologist, but it's a certificate. So you're not a true, you shouldn't go around, just like the ACE, you shouldn't go yeah. around calling yourself a true entomologist. It's a certificate. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a non-college accredited uh, certificate or certification uh, that is meant to better yourself, to show your pride in the industry, and uh, to give you the, uh, the recognition that you deserve uh, for the years of experience. Um, it's, it's a little token to have for yourself, but also for your company. And it's one way that you can show your customers that you're invested in the pest control industry by having these certifications and being highly accredited um, you can show them that you're serious and uh, and that you're you're skilled to to be handling their issues. Okay, I think that's fantastic. The that's other fantastic. Thing is, you're the first one. That's correct. I I took the test uh, one week after taking the ACE, um, and I emailed Willett, who you guys hosted a few weeks ago. He's yep. the, uh, the the coordinator for the program, and uh, I, I said. I said, you know, from watching your guys' live stream, I heard about the PHE, so I have to thank you guys for leading me on to it. Awesome. And I emailed awesome. him right away, and I said, hey, what, what's this about? I'm taking my ACE. Uh, you know, I wanted to know about the PHE. I see, you know, you guys just uploaded it on the website. You know, what, what's this about? And he said, well, for kicks and giggles, if you want to, you can take it, but the study material isn't officially released yet. Um, I said, well, shoot me a list of bugs. Um, I just did something <laughs> about the studying for the ACE. Uh, I'm already licensed in public health in category 16 in the state of Pennsylvania, which is mosquitoes and, and ticks. And I, and he, he sent me the list and I, I crammed my butt off for about a week and, um, I, I was able to pass, but something else go. I wanted to let your viewers know is when you talk about public health, especially in the state of Pennsylvania, that is category 16, which mainly deals with mosquitoes and ticks. However, this test is not focused just on vectors of disease. It's also focused on other structural household pests that don't vector disease, but still can cause uh, issues like respiratory issues. You know, you talk about cockroaches well, okay. and red caps and yeah. um, all those kind of diseases. And you talk about mites and dust mites. Um, all the issues that, uh, that can cause other health implications. So this is a very practical certification yeah. certificate to, to get for PMPs practicing both outdoor and indoor pest control. Well, excellent. That's well, congratulations on that. That's, that's some great yeah. information. And yeah, thanks for way, sharing way to go on that, Sean. That's excellent. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. We really do appreciate that. And I think we're going to have Sean on at a later time here to, to kind of deep dive a little bit more into the certification process and, and what he went through with that and everything. So be, be on the lookout for that. We're going to be talking to him later on about that. So that'll be some good information. So um, cool. So kind of moving on, let's, let's dive into this here. So, so Greg, you know, uh, Greg from NISIS, I know there's a little bit of confusion here, but um, so why don't you kind of give us a little bit of a, you know, what is COVID-19? What, what are we dealing with right now? I mean, I know we've heard a lot of stuff and I know there's a lot of information out there, but why don't we just kind of do just a brief overview for, for the viewers so they kind of have an idea of what we're talking about today. Well, sure, sure. Thank you. And, and before we go on, uh, Sean, I just want to say uh, it's so nice to see the next generation coming up. Uh, it, this is fantastic. And yeah. congratulations to you. 
Mm-hmm. Well, COVID-19, so here, here's the strange thing about this. This is something that is so new. Things are changing almost hourly when you come right down to it. Uh, we had a situation in, in December where we heard about this Chinese origin of a virus and it might be going global and then we found it spreading. And so COVID-19 is now the name of the disease itself, all right? At one time, we didn't know what to call it. It was called, you know, the novel human coronavirus, perhaps, or mm-hmm. uh, some sort of um, this, this, this novel respiratory problem. So the way they pretty much agreed as scientists now and public health officials is that COVID-19 is the disease itself, and it's caused by SARS-CoV-2. And SARS is a respiratory syndrome, you might remember SARS going back a few years ago. Um, this is a, a essentially a variation of a respiratory syndrome uh, virus. And so the, the virus itself is called SARS-CoV for coronavirus-2. And then the disease itself is COVID-19. Similar okay. to talking about the flu, the, you know, it's, it's equivalent of a flu. So it's COVID-19 is the disease. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's some interesting information. I hadn't had no idea yeah. about that, about, Never about heard that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a pretty fascinating thing. So, you know, we've all seen this as, as far as pest control companies mm-hmm. kind of trying to jump in here with disinfectant services. I mean, really, you know, what is that, you know, what is that service? You know, what, what really can companies do to really provide and really decrease the spread of this COVID-19? So, Greg, why don't you jump in with that nicest okay. and well, you know, people are very interested in trying to reduce the chances of getting this virus. This is a this is a very ugly virus in terms of it, it can be fatal rather quickly. Some people have no symptoms whatsoever, and this is something we don't know much about because this has not been studied yet. We're learning more every hour, and I really mean that we're learning more every hour. So if people want to have uh, disinfection services done, who are they going to call? Well, chances are they look at their service providers. They're not going to call a roofer, that's for sure. And who is someone who comes to the house or the business regularly and provides really good service in terms of keeping pests down? And that would be the pest management professional. And so it's a natural thing for the pest management industry to, to jump into this. Uh, the, the pest management industry has a long history of providing service in times of disasters, whether it be a flood, tornado, or in this particular case, a pandemic. And yeah. so it's a, it's a natural uh, for that to occur. What gets very confusing, though, is states have different requirements. Some states require a special category. And I think it's important that when considering whether to get into this, you have to make sure that you have the proper credentials for your state. And there's several other things to look at as well, which we can get into in a little bit. Yeah, I would say that's a really good point. And that kind of goes to one of the things we talked about on that podcast coming up. And that is, is California has different regulations. They have several different licenses. We have an ag license, which has multiple categories that talk about multiple types of pest control. And then we have a structural license uh, and we have multiples of the structural license. We have license for fumigation, license for termite, license for general pest. And in the ag license, category K 
is your category that deals with health issues, public health. And so I bet you that's where the confusion in California lies. Is yeah, that I think so. The state is probably looking at, well, you know, you should have a Category K in your agricultural license because that's for public health. Yeah. Um, but typically that covers outdoor pests because ag typically doesn't have anything to do with the structure, which the way the law, the categories are written, I won't get into that now, but it's just kind of weird. But, um, yeah, I still think that's a very good point. Make sure you know what's going on in your state because – uh, in our state, I would imagine if you had a K, you would probably think you're good, but typically your ag license doesn't allow you to do anything with structures. Yep, exactly. And then yeah, you've got exactly. a structural license, they're going to be like, well, you know, this is public health, this is a structure. And so, the, you know, California has always got confusion, but they're working that out. I think, like you, were you saying, Greg, they yeah, yeah. Come to so, yes, there's probably a handful of states that have not budged, and, and this is really disappointing because some states have just said, well, we don't really know what to do. And it's like, folks, there's a pandemic going on. Can't yeah. we be creative? Can't we do something? something Contact the yeah. attorney general. We've petitioned several governor's offices. We petitioned mm -hmm. uh, Georgia, and um, Georgia has provided relief via an emergency um, regulation. And um, I've heard they can be difficult to deal with. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no it's, comment. It's, it, can be a, it can be a challenge, you know. Uh, California, I think we're going to see some movement on. I think Tennessee already. Minnesota has uh, provided uh, an emergency exemption. Um, and I believe it is Idaho that also has done that. So anyhow, that's yeah. kind of uh, just make sure. And your state association will help you on that. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So great. Sorry, yeah, the, yeah. Great I was going to say the Pettis is down there. So, what, what what's going on with your state with that? Well, we're blessed in Pennsylvania to have a Department of Ag that has been very supportive of pest control companies to perform these services. In fact, the Pennsylvania Pest Management Association was in contact with the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. And they were actually recommending, they had also consulted with the Department of State in Pennsylvania. And these agencies wanted pest control companies to get out there and do this. And so wow. our, big, our biggest challenge was um, adjusting our insurance, having janitorial services added to the policy. It took me three days of fighting with my insurance company to get it done. Wow. But um, we got it done. And so... Um, I knew that we had the product. I knew we had the equipment. It was just a matter of uh, making sure that we had dotted our I's and crossed our T's, but we were, we were able to get it done. That's yeah. awesome. California, yeah. you can't even get – there's only a couple of companies that offer um, insurance for pest control companies. Your average insurance company that does business insurance won't even do pest control. Yeah, I was talking – yeah, I have a friend of mine who just got into insurance, and I was like, dude, you're my buddy. I'd rather you got commission for my premium than somebody I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> he no, nobody he reps. He reps multiple companies. None of them would touch a pest control company. He's yeah. like, he entered in the information, didn't even come up. Zip. That's funny. Oh. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. So, so you mentioned about Greg, uh, the Pettis is there, you know, about the, your insurance and stuff. So really, you know, what was, what was kind of their concerns? Was there some sort of liability that was to, to the janitorial service providing that and the type of service you were going to be providing? 
Uh, it was more about the products that we were going to use. And we, we had to convince them that, first of all, the product that we're using, we're already using anyway, uh, which was a nice feature about the DSV. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just wanted to make sure that I was legal. Uh, we had the equipment, we had the product. So uh, once we convinced them that, you know, and I, I was able to, to forward them emails from uh, the National Pest Management Association and the Pennsylvania Pest Management Association. And I basically strong armed them. I painted them into a corner saying, look, you know, if, if you're not going to respond to these governing agencies, then I'm going to be in a position where I'm going to have to look for another carrier. And so uh, it was a very simple thing. And they came back and actually apologized after three days. <laughs> and so, um, and, and meanwhile, you know, the public's freaking out. And so um, we, we were very much interested in protecting the public and public yeah. services. And I'll, I'll go into that later. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, there really, there wasn't really, I mean, was there any challenges that kind of you faced as far as providing the disinfecting service, you know, ramping that up? Was there any challenges that you found with that, that you had to kind of overcome or were you pretty much already set to provide that type of service? So what we did, that's a great question. We formulated an email that we originally sent to just our commercial accounts. We let them know that we had products that were labeled uh, for the COVID-19. And um, we also let them know that we had equipment to do that. And so um, we got an overwhelming response and we began to treat um, fire stations, EMS. Um, uh, we did office buildings also, but we were able to do, well, the first thing that I did was I ran down to our local shelter and our homeless shelter, and I got them product, and I, I gave them one of our ULV machines, trained the maintenance gentlemen there. Um, they have 80 beds in one room three feet apart and so wow. i was very concerned about that for their sake and also for the general public because uh, it's very hard for them to do a lockdown so that was the first thing i did and i actually did that before i had insurance um, so after i got insurance we started treating um, ems fire halls uh, rehab centers and assisted living and we've gone into some situations that were let's just say considered compromised and so I had to do some studying on uh, protocol uh, for decontaminating ourselves after we exited a building and what have you. But um, in the long run, we got it done. Yeah. Okay, so before we get any farther, I want to back up just a little bit. Um, what was your thought process in even starting to do this service? Because, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, this is kind of in the cleaning realm in a lot of ways. We saw some companies in Europe doing this and um, online. Um, I'm just curious, what kind of got you thinking in that realm? Well, honestly, Collie, you know, uh, I, I'm a, a Christian, and I just had a sense that this thing was going to get really ugly really fast. And it just kind of rose up inside of me that if, if you don't do something about this, um, your community could be affected in a negative way. And I just felt that 
because I had the equipment and the product that it was the responsible thing for me to do. And so I actually went to a facility that was a medical facility about two weeks before we actually made the decision to do it and got license, I should say, got insurance. And I did a dry run um, without product, without equipment. We went into a medical facility and just wrote protocol. And um, Jason Rothamel, who you are familiar with on our team, uh, helped me with that. And we wrote quite a comprehensive protocol. And so we took that back uh, to the office and just started really looking at, okay, what are things that we can make an application to? What are things that we absolutely need to make an application to? Um, is there something that we should stay away from uh, because of uh, collateral damage? And so after we had written protocol, I felt very comfortable with it. And then after that, I wrote protocol to do the decontamination process when we exit a building. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I would assume part of your protocol on the application obviously is coming straight off of the DSD label. Absolutely. Is that right? So, yeah, absolutely. So um, we studied that label inside and out and wanted to make sure that we were able to do this. And at the same time, um, I was putting uh, a lot of questions out to our nicest rep, which is Harry Bryan, who's been like a saint to us. He's been, he's been just awesome. And so uh, I wanted to make sure that uh, we were able to do this and claim that uh, COVID-19 would die. And so as you guys are familiar, NICES did put out a technical bulletin that clarified that. And so then I felt very comfortable going after it. Uh, so we, we were excited to see that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's actually, yeah, that, that kind of dives into, you know, Greg uh, from NICES, you know, why don't you get into a little bit, you know, for people that aren't familiar, what is DSV that we're talking about here? Sure, sure. First of all, you know, what, what uh, we just heard from Pennsylvania, and I'm a, I'm a little bit biased because I'm a native Pennsylvanian, just so you know, <laughs> but this is exactly how it's supposed to work. You take a deep breath, you decide how you're going to do it, you make yep. sure all your bases are covered, you don't go in there and think you're doing roach work. And so this is the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So we'll talk about uh, NICES DSV. And um, NICES DSV is a, is a formulation. It's a concentrate of a quaternary ammonia. And it was used over the years. It it's, it's, wasn't a, a huge product for us. Uh, it's really if someone removes wildlife from a chimney or um, you know, has, has um, a rodent job, they want to decontaminate an area, they use NICES DSV. And when this came out, we found out that, oh, this has human coronavirus on. Okay, very interesting. But there's a lot of products out there. Well, as it turns out, we discovered that our product is one of the few products that are available through distribution to the pest management industry. And a lot of products are out there, but they're not available. Uh, and so uh, we started getting calls, and that's when we jumped into uh, petitioning Georgia to ease off on the regulations to allow the trained, licensed, and insured uh, professionals to go in and do the work. This will add thousands of potential disinfection agents out there. And in California, for example, I think we're probably in the neighborhood of 25 to 35,000 additional people 
that would wow. be able to do disinfection. Yeah. And, and, and this is why it's bothersome. When state brick walls, you know, it's just like, what are you doing? This is yeah. a pandemic. This is not an right. inconvenience, all right? Right. And, and so that's the approach that we've taken. And so we, we kind of got pulled into this whole COVID-19 thing. And, um, and so we decided, so, to, excuse me, to really educate ourselves and make sure we pass along that information start developing a simple protocol. Yeah, and, and this is totally different from pest management. You know, IPM, we all learn IPM, right? And IPM is you go in, you do an inspection, you look for the source, you treat the source with as little product as possible, and you monitor the effectiveness. We can't do any of that stuff with, with, um, yeah. with this virus. Uh, this is a matter of going in and treating any hard, non-porous surface that you can, with a residence time of 10 minutes. And the important point to the customer too is let's keep our expectations where they really need to be. This is disinfecting hard non-porous surfaces. You're not disinfecting an entire structure so it's sterile. You can't do carpets, you can't do couches and things like yeah, that. So exactly. So, so, I mean, we've, we've kind of all seen it as far as, you know, the, the space treatments and everything with, with the DSV, but um, I guess both of you, the, the Pettises and Greg from Nysis, if you both want to chime in, you know, really how, how should that disinfectant service be done? It's, you know, we don't want to go too deep into it, but really, you know, kind of an overview of how really it should be done correctly. I'll start off if you don't mind Pettises and then I'll pass it over to you. Okay. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, our approach as the registrant is what we're trying to do is reduce the chances of the virus being present. And the way we can do that is, again, we want to emphasize and emphasize and re-emphasize hard, non-porous surfaces. These are going to be areas like kitchen counters. These are going to be areas like, like tables. And those are the areas where people have their arms, they're kicking up the virus, potentially breathing. Now, we know that transmission mostly is from person to person through droplets. This is why uh, CDC now is, is suggesting wearing masks to, to catch those droplets. Mm -hmm. But it is possible that the virus will be on surfaces. It's not going to be transmitted via food unless somebody actually breathes on the food or sneezes on the food. Um, but uh, by, by um, disinfecting the hard, non-porous surfaces, we reduce the chance dramatically. And there's no magic to it. This is one of those things where this is not a, not a, you know, a very precise, um, targeted approach. This is every non-hard, porous surface that you can possibly come up with. And Pettis, I'll turn it over to you now. So one of the first places that we treated was a medical facility and it was actually a surgical center. And we uh, realized that there are not only a lot of hard surfaces in there, there's a lot of pieces of equipment yeah. that people are touching and so mm -hmm. uh, we were, were kind of concerned because we have no way of controlling uh, what happened, or I should say what's going to happen after we were there. But I, I know that we can press the reset button. And so that's what I tell our customers that are signing up to have the disinfecting services that, you know, we can't stop somebody who has COVID-19 from coming into your building tomorrow and coughing all over the place. That, that's what you have to control. 
But what we can do is disinfect the room or the facility right now and, and press the reset button. So we felt very strongly about these places where the public is going in and out. Not only that, but where our EMS volunteers, our firefighters, where they're going in and where they're hanging out, their break rooms, their lunch rooms, the uh, call centers. And uh, a lot, there are a lot of hard services and a lot of equipment that they have that the uh, product can be applied to. And so we've gotten really aggressive. Um, I like what Greg said earlier, you know, this isn't one of those things where you're thinking in terms of IPM, where you're using the least amount of pesticide in a particular area. Um, we, we go for it. I mean, um, we're, we're not afraid to apply it uh, with whatever equipment we have in the labeled areas. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's briefly, um, the other thing I want to touch on with that is, is, you know, we keep seeing all these people fogging, okay? So I'm hearing directly from YouTube, this is a hard surface wiped out, right? The product's got to be there for 10 minutes, right, Greg? I heard you say after you've wiped it down, it's got to dry for a minimum of 10 minutes. Uh, that's per label. So what effect does the fogging have, if any? Yeah, so, so we get this question a lot, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, we have a tradition of fogging spaces as an industry. And so what are we trying to do? Well, there's no greater thrill than when you go into a warehouse, a food warehouse that has Indian meal moss flying around, and you fog, and you start seeing these things drop down, right? I yeah. Mean, the, thrill, the thrill, right? The thrill of the kill, yeah. thrill of the kill, yeah. yeah. No, uh, Foster, <laughs> Foster just liked his – a thermo fogger and using it. He didn't care about that thing. No, I didn't. Like I just loved it. I just loved going in there, <laughs> smoking the place down, <laughs> nuking yeah. it. Well, here, well here, here's the key, though. If we're, if we're trying to do all hard, non-pore surfaces, um, you can use any type of application equipment. We get a lot of calls. Can I use such and such piece of equipment or this type of equipment? Use whatever equipment you would like. The key is you got to get those surfaces wet and not just the surfaces facing up. So kicking something into the air like we traditionally do in warehouses uh, and, and just expecting it to settle down is not going to get underneath. Now, you can use a wet mist. They really don't call it fogging on the label. It says fog, wet mist in parentheses. Using a wet mist. Uh, 50 microns or, or better if possible, but not many people can measure that. Um, mm -hmm. You want to just get all those areas underneath. So a microgen, actosol, any of those will work. And even um, a traditional ULV fogger will work. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You just have to make okay. sure, do not ignore the areas like under desks and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Which with that, uh, with those foggers, you get the right kind. One, you can set it so you're getting 50, exactly. mic what, 50 microns or greater. Is that what I mean? Right. Yeah, you want to wet it. You want to wet it. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll be there and all day. With that blowing action, you can actually get it up under and behind things. Actually, even easier. Yes. Um, you know, I personally have a and g you know, with the hose, and I've got the little knob, so I can set it where it needs to be. Okay, well, then that makes more sense to me. Um, I can see why that can be effective, it, again, if done properly. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and, and just want to say one thing about thermal foggers, really bad idea. 
Uh, that's what I was just going to say. Out, it sounds Foster. like, hey, yeah. yeah, no, darn it. No. <laughs> no. For, a couple, for a couple reasons, obviously, you don't want to have a thermal fog or in someone's structure. And then we're talking about doing no. things inside here. Yeah, okay. And the second reason is, you know, it's possible. We don't know. It's possible you can break down the, the, the active ingredients, and we don't want to do that. Yeah. Right. Now, now, really, with the, with the fogger that you're going to be using, does that need to be a designated fogger for DSV, or can you clean out the one that you've been using for, for your insecticidal treatments and actually put the DSV in there? Well, our recommendation is to, to clean out whatever you had. If you make sure there's no odor, that's probably the most important thing. Yeah. If you clean it well, you should not have any residual from previous applications. Exactly. Okay. Now, yeah, um, there's great products out there for that. Yeah, there is. You know, yeah, there's well. a lot of there's a lot of great products. Yeah. So, um, so both of you, the Pettis's and and Greg for Nysis, you know, really, should all companies be getting into the disinfectant services? I'd like to hear both of your opinions. Um, Pettis's, why don't you start with that, and then we'll get it over to Greg from Nysis to answer that. Well, I'm going to say. I can let Sean answer too, but I'll just say it this way. If you're afraid of this, don't get into it. Um, I've been seeing a lot of back and forth online. I tried to help some guys understand what we were doing, and um, there was a lot of, I'll just say, concerned pest control operators who I don't think were understanding what we are doing and um, so I would say to those guys, if you're afraid of this, then, then don't do it. Um, if you have that drive inside of you that says, um, I, I want to sign up for this battle, then I think you should consider it. Learn everything that you can, read the labels, look at the equipment, uh, ins inspect uh, the areas that uh, companies want you to treat and then um, go for it. So that's just my opinion. Do you have anything to say? Yeah, and I'd like to echo that by saying, you know, if you're following rigorous PPE precautions and decontamination, there's really nothing to be worried about for yourself. We use, uh, we use kind of like a hazmat, hazmat suit. Uh, it's made out of uh, like a, a polymer PVC base that is washable. Uh, so it, cool. uh, so when you Reuse disinfect it, it um, you know, it doesn't soak up anything. Um, and then you can also just strip when you get home and throw it right into the wash on cold and it's good to go for the next day. And I know a lot of PMPs are having a hard time finding, um, you know, like Tyvex they're, they're, most of those are only one-time use anyways. Um, but we have a really good source, uh, a website that we, we go to called ARC. Uh, it's called ARK Safety, A-R-K Safety.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have a suit called the Dominator that I think a lot of PMP should check into because that, uh, that is a very safe, uh, uh, effective suit. Yeah. Uh, that Excellent. provided with a full face respirator and gloves. Um, I, think, I think all PMP should be tackling this, uh, this pandemic because it's an opportunity to help our community. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. I just want to interject right there on the full face respirator. I own one. I bought it myself because I could not get my boss to buy one because he thought it was too expensive. For $150, that's the best respirator I've ever purchased, and I own it now. I've owned it for over five years. And, um, you know, when you put that thing on, 
You never fog up. Always used to put a half-face respirator on. You get into an attic. My safety glasses would always fog up. Yeah. Um, it was always a hassle. I never have a problem fogging up. And then all I have to do is change my cartridges. You know, I can put yep. on HEPA filter cartridges. I can put on um, the uh, carbon-based cartridges. I can do N95. I can do R95. I can do N100. It doesn't matter. It's got the capability to do all of it in one unit. And then all I have to do is wipe it off with alcohol wipes. Yeah. Nice. You know, and yeah. clean it up. So it's a, it's a great, great investment, not just for this, but just for, you know, what we do in general. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that you guys are using those. I think those are a great purchase, period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. You, you know, can I uh, add something here? Is, is, yeah. you, this, is, this is a really good discussion about whether you want to get into it and, and what you have to do. And so if we, if we kind of step back through the process, when you, when you think about it, we have to decide, are we, first of all, are we going to be considered an essential business? NPMA, the National Pest Management Association, with state associations, they, they've both done a really good job getting us listed as essential. Pennsylvania, you are an essential service, and that list is pretty restrictive in Pennsylvania, and they've mm -hmm. been doing it for a couple of weeks now. Uh, so if you decide you want to get into it, you are an essential service, then you have to ask whether your employees are committed as well. This is a pandemic. Are they prepared to leave their homes? Are they prepared to leave their families? Right? And then another thing we have to think about is the customers uh, are the current customers. And of course, once you start doing disinfection services, you're going to find other customers you know, show up. So their neighbors are going to want to have it done. Yep. And, and they're very stressed. They've been cooped up in a house maybe yeah. for weeks, depending. Yep. And, and if they don't yep. get along with their family, it's really stressful. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so our job, as always, is to tell people, just calm down. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the, you don't, don't expect anything more than I'm telling you, but don't expect anything less than I'm telling you. And this is the service that we as an industry are so good at. Insurance, you know, Greg brought up a really good point about insurance and having to deal with that. That's really important to check on that. And then you get into the actual selection of a product. And this is extremely important. And disinfectants are not disinfectants. They will not disinfect everything. And the example I like to use is, well, we, we're seeing right, right now, we're seeing people just grab anything that says disinfection and spraying it everywhere. Yeah. And what's confusing, yeah. and the example I like to use, and I, I actually uh, used it previously in the, in the podcast, is that um, what we want to do is, um, uh, let's just compare this to your favorite soil termiticide. Just think about that, everybody, your favorite soil termiticide. It's a great pesticide. Probably even takes care of ants, doesn't it? Is it going to take care of rats? No, it's not. And yeah. that's what we have to we have to think about that. So EPA said there's a lot of confusion out there. So we're we're putting together something called List N. It's available at EPA.gov in the search box. You just put List N, and you'll be transported magically to List N. And what you want to do if you're considering a product for disinfection, look at the EPA registration number. There are going to be at least two. Separate, at least two separate numbers, sometimes three. So you look at the first series of numbers, and I'm going to use DSV as an example. Our first number is 10324. The second number is dash 80. Those two numbers you match up to 
list N. As it turns out, it happens to be on there. It's not going to be listed as nicest DSV. This is the base product. If those numbers, if your registration number that you're looking at uh, considering a product is not on that list, do not use it. It will not work against SARS-CoV-2. So those are just a couple points. Can I yeah, take that's, that's, that? some, that's some good information there. Yeah, go ahead, Greg Pettis. Yeah. So we had understood this from NISIS and we went and printed that list out. And so thankfully that list is, is 22 pages, but the DSV product is on the second page. Thank so goodness. <laughs> we print out one page front and back of the end list. And we include that with the technical bulletin from NISIS and we hand that to our customer and I circle the EPA number for uh, DSV on there so that they understand if they want to go look it up, they can look it up. But I intentionally printed the footer uh, on that page when we printed it because it has the uh, web address for the EPA endlist there so they can go look at it themselves. If they want to go print out all 22 pages, they can use their paper to do it, but it's it's nice that it's on the second page, uh, which shows up on the back if you do a front and back copy. It's it's also yeah, search cool. it's also searchable too. So if you type in a number, it'll take you right to that on the list. For oh, that's nice. That's um, nice. That you're able and, and, to have that. And by the way, Greg, it's interesting to see how things evolve. I think it's probably on page four by now. It, <laughs> <laughs> they, they added more and more things. They added Ebola and they added uh, norovirus as two other categories. Oh, so wow. it works for Ebola. If it works for Ebola, oh, wow. it's going to work on this. Yeah. Why? Fascinating, yeah. Well, we had we had somebody, uh, Travis here, uh, was asking if it would be possible to to get a a sample or examples of the protocols that that you're doing. I don't know, Pettis, if you're comfortable with sharing that. If you could email that over to us, and we can get it out to the people. Or if you're just want to, what your thoughts are all on that? Or Greg yeah. from Nisus, if you've got anything that you want to share that we can get out to people. Well, I'll just say it this way. So Greg had mentioned, you know, you're going to be treating hard surfaces. So what we did was we just went in and looked at everything that is able to be treated and we spray and we wipe down. And um, one thing that I heard Greg say in his webinar the other day that I didn't hear him say yet, which I'm sure he would, is that if you're treating a surface that is going to come in contact with food, you need to go behind it with potable water and rinse it off and then dry it. And so that is something. So when we walk into a facility, we look, okay, what can we spray? What can we not spray? And basically that's going to be spelled out on the label as either hard surface or non, uh, or, you know, porous or non-porous. And then um, what do we need to spray down with potable water after we're done. And so we're talking about kitchen countertops, we're talking about lunchroom tables, things like that. So that's how we identify. It's really simple. And some people will say, well, what equipment are you using? We're using everything. Anything that we have, uh, we're using to go in there with. And so, for instance, when I was talking about the shelter, the homeless shelter, uh, and I gave them our UL ULV machine, um, they have beds that have uh, a bunk underneath it where that's the only room that people have. They have about three, high, three feet high section to put everything they own. Mm -hmm. And so 
um, it is impossible to get underneath those things with uh, with a, a hand spray or whatever else. And so what he's doing is he put his ULV machine that we lent him on a little hand cart and he's going up underneath it uh, as he goes right. along. So the units on the floor pointed up on a 45 and they're just able to get up underneath that because people are taking their stuff, they're touching their stuff and putting it up underneath there. And so the, um, the, the bottom of the beds, which are a hard surface are getting treated as well. So you, you got to really get creative and mm-hmm. there is no one size fits all with an application. Um, because you could like in a food production area, you may want to use a ULV machine over a large area, uh, because there's things that you can't reach, um, or whatever the situation. So I'm going to just go back to the label. You got to look at the tools that you have. You look at what the label tells you to do with the product, and then you formulate a plan and each facility that you're in is going to be different. Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah. If I can, can I expand on that, uh, yeah. that rinsing? I think that's a really good point, and thank you very much. Yeah, it's any food contact surface is supposed to be rinsed. And also, um, the suggestion is if there's going to be prolonged human contact, for example, if it's going to be a um, you know, a, a serving table, people might have elbows and what have you, you might want to rinse those off as well. Um, and, and the primary reason is it just removes any residual, um, you know, emulsifiers. It's not really the active ingredient. Yeah. There's um, also a really Im- important point is that people ask, what is the residual? Can we get 30 days out of this or 60 days or 90 days? And the answer Ten is minutes. yeah, forever. <laughs> 10 minutes. As long as it's on contact and yeah. wet. Yeah, that's it. Once, once, once it's gone, it's gone. Okay. Yeah. So do not expect any residual protection. I think that that's a really important point. Well, I think they, they, Greg, on the, yeah, go ahead. I was saying, I think Greg Pettis said it well, is we're giving you a reset, right? right? We can't control what happens tomorrow. But we can give you a reset. I like that. Exactly. I like that a lot. That's yeah. really right? well we're done. Gonna, we're going to do our best. Obviously, we can't. You can't offer 100%. We're going to kill every germ in the in the structure. But we're going to give you, to the best of our ability, you know, a clean, safe environment. And after that, it's your responsibility to keep it that way. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's some good points. So, yeah. Well, no. Well, Greg is- had more. You wanted to finish. Yeah. On that. Yeah, you had something else, Greg? Uh, yeah, I just want – I just Or Greg, nice uh, whoever, whichever Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Who's sorry, I didn't know Greg. The other Greg was there. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention, too, that we do have a technical bullet. We try to put something, yep. you know, one pager together, and we also have, like, five pages of questions and answers specific to um, how do you do this service, but it might be questions about DSV, too, you know, why danger okay. and label and things like yeah. that at our website. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll put a link to that and everything and okay. have that. So right. now this has all been really, really good information. We've been on here a long time, so we probably should wrap this up a little bit. We've had a lot of some good questions and we've had a, quite a few people watching. So this has been some good stuff. So uh, Pettis, do you have anything in closing that you'd like to, to close out with this? I think we've covered everything. Just to yeah. say thank you for letting us participate and uh, share our experience. Oh, you're so welcome. We appreciate your time. We're grateful. For you, so. We're very yes, grateful. We're very grateful. That you're willing to get on and help us out with this. Yeah. And share this stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, Greg from Nisus, anything in closing you'd like to? Yeah, just hats off to the industry. What, what's really nice is that now we've seen this evolve, and we're not seeing our industry 
using this as a get rich quick scheme. Yeah. This is, we're helping. Yes, we have to make a living, but we're helping. And I think that's a credit to everybody watching. Yeah. I think definitely. though that you brought up a point that I thought of earlier. And that is, as I'm listening to you guys talk about what you need to do to do this right, you're going to need to charge for it. This yeah. isn't going to be a cheap $50 service. Nope. You know, um, it sounds to me, uh, Greg Pettis and Sean, you're in there for a while. Yeah. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. Sometimes as much as like three hours and four hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It can take a lengthy time. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to figure out what your dollar amount you want to be making per person, as well as your material costs and the wear and tear on your, on your equipment. You need to charge appropriate, you know. And, and multiply that by 1.5 because you're always going to be surprised that it takes longer. Oh, I yeah, would agree exactly. with that. Yeah, 100%. I would agree with 100%, that. 100%, yeah. Um, it, you know, I just – I get frustrated so many times when I see pest guys giving themselves away. Um, yeah. I've moved into a new area, um, and I'm watching guys do services for what I used to charge in the 90s. And now this has got a, it's got a completely different economy than Silicon Valley, but the nineties, come on, yeah, it's ridiculous. you guys are selling yourself short, Yeah, you know, um, the economy is not that much different. And, um, I just, I just want to encourage everybody, you know, we're not, just like what Greg said, we're not here to gouge people, but you know, you're, t you're taking a risk you're doing a great service. You're offering an absolutely uh, fabulous benefit in this day and time for these companies or homes, homeowners, and there's no reason not to get paid a decent wage for that. Exactly. You, know, you keep your employees working, and um, that's helping the economy. You know, yep. there's a huge portion of our economy that's not. Who knows? Maybe you'll be able to hire some people and help the economy out even more. Yeah. Exactly. So, Exactly. Well, excellent. Well, good. Well, again, I appreciate everybody being on here today. Wish everybody uh, all the best. Please keep safe and everything. And this too shall pass. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> again, Pettis is Greg and Sean. Thanks again. Greg from NYSIS. Thanks again. We certainly do appreciate it. And um, again, we'll be, uh, we'll be talking to you guys all soon. Stay safe, everyone. Thank you for listening to episode three of the Pest Posse Stampede podcast. Remember to follow this podcast and to follow the Pest Posse on Facebook and LinkedIn. Also, be sure to check out the Pest Posse's weekly YouTube series. Until next time, remember pest control is an adventure. So get out there and enjoy the adventure with the Pest Posse.